Hello. <laughs> hey, it's me, Patrick. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. So this week we have Micah Redding, who is in charge of and runs uh, a Christian transhumanist podcast and website and gatherings. We had such a fun conversation. It was incredible. But yeah, I hope you enjoy this. This is great. Check out Micah Redding's work online. Just Google his name, Google Christian Transhumanism, and you will have a blast. Always, 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 we want to thank you for your support, for your love, for the sharing. It is incredible. I, I am overwhelmed by the love and support from all of you. Keep it going. Keep rating the podcast if you haven't already, liking the posts, sharing things on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Just let the world know about our show here. Um, again, thanks for the support. Like and subscribe, rate, leave a comment, all that good stuff. But hey, enough about me. Let's get to Micah. But before we do that, Ben, anything, uh, what's happening in your world over there, my guy? You know, this always seems to revolve around food, but... It, oh, oh, here we go. What, what um, food fact do you have today? <laughs> Scientists believe that peaches have fuzz because it's a defense mechanism against insects. Oh. They also think that it prevents sunburn and potential water loss. Oh, that's why you have a hairy chest. I don't. Maybe that's why you get sunburn. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Got a little weird there at the end. Here's Micah. Enjoy the show. Micah. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. So here you are on the show. I'm excited. We've been talking about this for a while. Yeah. And here you are. Yeah. So... For the people who are unaware of who you are, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just a lot of people. You know, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> I don't know. If that's a lot of people. most people. Yes, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, you know, people. I, you know, you have a you have a Twitter presence. Mm. I, I have a niche. Let's let's just say that way. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Has there before we even get into the like background, like. Has there been, do you have like a favorite Twitter moment? Like Mm. whether it's an interaction with Mm. another Twitter user? Like, yeah. Do you have, is, does one quickly come to mind? Um, I'm trying to think, I I know there have been like, you know, some, some glorious, glorious retweets, (laughs) some, some glorious responses that I feel really great about. And then like, you know, nobody else liked them. Um, so (laughs) that's, that's the, you know, the, the trajectory of my Twitter career is like, just when I think I'm, you know, really getting, getting somewhere, you know, I'm like, Oh, I I really thought you guys would, would love this. And no, nobody. Yeah. That may be the, that may be (laughs) the best thing is when you 
think you've crafted gold mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you put it into the you, yeah. Twitter sphere yeah. and crickets. You're like, yeah. did I, and then you check your settings. Did I, did I tweet right? Twitter must have been down today. <laughs> <There> was, <laughs> that's right. And that's what I should, I should just tweet. Is, is, the, is Twitter still up for everybody else? <laughs> this is a test tweet. <laughs> oh, okay. So Micah, tell us. Where, where are you from? What's your yeah? What's your background? Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm I'm Micah Redding. I'm um, uh, I'm from a lot of places. Um, right now, I'm the executive director of the Christian Transhumanist Association and the host of the Christian Transhumanist Podcast, um, which we'll get into. Yeah. So a <laughs> lot a lot to unpack there. Um, I started out, uh, I was a preacher's kid and I grew up, um, kind of all over the country cause we were always moving around to different, uh, places. And so I lived, uh, I was born in, uh, West Virginia. I lived in Oklahoma, Kentucky, Alabama, um, Oregon, Washington, um, Ohio, bunches of places. And, um, and yeah, so I just kind of grew up all over in a lot of different little kind of cultural pockets, let's say. And, um, and then so so is yeah. there of those places is there one that feels more like home like if you say mm. this is where i would say i i this is this state this city is mm-hmm. the one i connected with the most um yeah uh in, in a way it's really like the fact that there wasn't one like for me that really kind of formed my sense of of who i was and what i was doing uh you know when i was a kid i think um i i read i remember reading like you know like out of an encyclopedia or some kind of book that my mom gave us on a drive and it talked about like nomads you know like ancient nomads and i was yeah. like oh this is like us <laughs> you know? and, and so that was my like sense. this is what i want to be when i grow up wow. is like somebody who kind of lives all over and one of the kind of when i was a teenager um, we moved to this small town in Oklahoma, which was uh, part of the Indian reservation. And there was very few people there. I mean, you know, it's like 1,500 people, I think, something like that. And um, But that was such a glorious moment for me because for the first time I was living in a landscape that was just perfectly flat. Yeah. And you could, uh, I went back there recently, you could literally just stand in the middle of of nowhere and look to every horizon and there was nobody there. And, um, and that could be both really depressing <laughs> and also just kind of really give you a sense of possibility of like, you know, what's what this kind of frontier we're living on. Right. Do you think that's, a, I mean, obviously that's affected like who you are now, mm-hmm. like that memory yeah. really speaks to like what you now are doing in life. It's like the endless yeah. possibilities. Yeah. Wide open space. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, what's, um, uh, what actually kind of got me into some of the things that I'm doing now is that at this point, I, you know, I'm li- living in this small town, but I have this real sense of like open possibilities and I'm asking all these questions nobody else is asking. And this is back in the 90s. And um, the uh, so the internet is just becoming a thing, 
right? And so I jump on the internet and suddenly I find a bunch of crazy, crazy like subcultures of people like asking really weird questions. And uh, I just jumped in and like really kind of dug into that. Um, and yeah, so it that really kind of uh, both, you know, in a, in a sort of practical way and sort of conceptually kind of launched a lot of where I am now. So, okay, before we get too far down the road, I had I thought of a question to two things. One, you you come from a pretty large family. Mm-hmm, I do, yeah. Like how many? <laughs> yeah, I am the oldest of eleven kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> so eleven kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's eleven of you. Uh huh. So you just oh, twelve picture- of you. Well, no, 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 no 11. 11. Yeah. Okay. I'm, so I'm the first and there's 11 of us total, uh, although it gets hard to keep up with those numbers after a while. And so you can just picture us like, you know, traveling across the country, uh, back and forth all, all over the place. Yeah. So, wow. So what, I mean, is it like, what, it, how do you even make <laughs> sense of, cause like, oh, so for instance, yeah. You right now, you don't have right eleven kids, right? And I, I, I tell people like I already helped raise a bunch of kids. I, like, <laughs> I kind of got worn out with that. Um, yeah, um, you know, um, my parents. Uh, you can you can kind of see this with like the the moving across the country thing, which we did um, on average something like every three years. Um, so we we were moving all the time. And, you know, um, there are a lot of reasons for that, but you can kind of track it to this sense of like, let's just go explore stuff, you know, like, let's right. just go like someplace new, let's do something new. And I think honestly, you know, my parents had four kids at first and then, um, you know, they were happy with that for about five years. And then I think they just got bored and they were like, we need, we need some, some more going on here. <laughs> And, um, and so pretty soon, yeah, we had like a lot more of us and, um, and you know, it it was a lot of fun. And when I went to college, I was like, uh, looking back, I realized like I was so bored because compared to where I came from, like so little was going on in the college life. (laughs) Like I was like, where's all the noise? Where's the chaos? You know? (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I grew up in. So, okay. And then the connected to that is for me, this, this idea of being a PK preacher's Mm -hmm. kid, you said on average three Mm -hmm. years, every three Mm -hmm. years you picked up and you left and you're saying from what I, from what you just said, it was more about the sense of let's go and try Mm -hmm. something else. Mm -hmm. And so, cause I was wondering if there was a moment in your dad's preaching or teaching Mm -hmm. where it was like, okay, we know when he preaches this sermon, they're going to soon be like, (laughs) we're done. (laughs) It's time for you to pack up shop. (laughs) Like, and and so I was wondering if you could even remember like if, or even more so if he was in a way reusing or, Mm. or he kind of had his themes. Mm Mm-hmm of teaching and it was like no matter where he went sermons usually leaned in this yeah 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't, um, I don't remember enough of them to be able to say, well, right. you know, we could, we could hear like the clock ticking down, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, I, I do, you know, I, I think I could pull out some, some themes that were consistent, um, across them. I don't remember ever hearing the same sermon exactly the same twice, but that's got to be mostly because, um, you know, he would just kind of a little bit improvisationally, like you talk about the same subjects, kind of go through the same, right. same things. Um, and I really think, I mean, a big, a big part of it is, um, well, so uh, let me, let me back up and say, you know, one thing that I got from my parents and from doing this the whole time was, um, there were two things that, that were really in, kind of like stuck with me. One was, um, study for yourself. And mm. so this was like this idea of like, you know, it can't be somebody else. You have to do this your, yourself. You have to study. You have to come to these conclusions. And I got that really consistently and it, I took it seriously. And that kind of like right. drives a lot of, of uh, my personality Absolutely. and so forth. Um, but, you know, I always say uh, I took that more seriously than my Sunday school teachers were hoping, you know, like, <laughs> um, and cause, cause the expectation from a lot of people and that I was around was that you end up in the same place. Like everybody mm-hmm. ends up in the same place. And of course I was not heading toward the same place from, from very early on. Another thing that I got was that um, I knew that in going to all these different places, that what my parents thought and what they taught about was a little bit different w- than what everybody else thought huh. and taught about. And it was it, obviously it had to be pretty strongly compatible, but I I knew the differences, you know. Right. And I knew we would go into like uh, King James only church or something like that, and my parents wouldn't talk about that, but I knew that was a thing for these people, right? right. And I left my NIV in the the car, so, you know, like <laughs> so. Um, and so there are all those kinds of experiences. So I knew that that um, I'd seen the, a little bit of this independence, right? And I knew that my parents had um, changed their mind from what my grandparents thought wow. too. Um, and so that was really what stuck with me. And it wasn't a big like over the top thing of like you've got you're going to be different or anything like that. But I just I had seen this trajectory, you know, I'd seen enough of it to where when I started really challenging some of the things that I had been given, it didn't tell me that, okay, well now I just have to abandon it all because it doesn't make sense. It was like, Oh, well, this is what we all do. Right. We challenge what we've been given. Yes. We come to slightly different conclusions or maybe drastically different conclusions, but we're always doing this. And that's so hard. I feel like hmm. that's so hard for, <clears throat> cause every, every parent has done that in mm. their own way right mm-hmm. like you and sometimes it's a different belief or different approach to faith religion spirituality mm-hmm. for some it's downright to the practicalness of like i'm choosing to marry mm. someone who came from this kind of background right yeah but sometimes like we've been given this thing of like you must learn 
and do mm-hmm. this yourself. But then sometimes parents come back and say, oh, wait, I didn't mean for you right. to do it like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't part of the, the <laughs> agreement here. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. I didn't think you were taking me, yeah. take me that seriously. Yeah. So, okay. You go to college mm-hmm. and you come out of college and now fast forward, here we are, you've started this, I mean, I guess institute, is that a safe thing <laughs> well, yeah, or this organization? Yeah, organization. That's and so yeah. how can you remember, and maybe it was something in college, maybe it was something that was post-college that started the dominoes like falling mm-hmm. in this direction to where now you have Christian transhumanists. Like, yeah, this is where it, like, what was that initial, do you, can you remember yeah. the moment of like, oh, this is different and now. Yeah, everything's different. Yeah, so there, there's a couple of a couple of big moments, um, and uh, one of them, one of them was when I was in um, when I was in Oklahoma, like I mentioned, and I started like looking into these internet communities, and suddenly I started finding secular transhumanists, and I was like, okay, what's this group about, right? Like, right. what's going on here? And I got into it and I was, um, I really liked what I saw. I was really interested in it. Um, it, you know, I was really intrigued and I, and, um, and I immediately realized that this was, um, and, and so for those of you who don't know, I would, I would, uh, define transhumanism as kind of using science and technology to transform humanity. Right. But the, the question of what that looks like could be all over the place. Absolutely. And so, um, so the people I initially kind of connected with were like, you know, we need to become the best humans we can be spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, you know, mentally, all these, all the characteristics of ourselves. And so I was like, I was really drawn to this. And then I, I jump in there and, um, and they're like, well, you're a Christian. You're like, <laughs> we know that this is not what you're about. What ah. you're about is burning down the world, you know, getting getting the heck out of here, you know, that uh-huh. that kind of a thing. And I was like, no, 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 no. You know, that yeah. that's not it. And uh, but they're like, no, we've we've been to churches, we've experienced this, <laughs> <laughs> we know what this is about. And, um, and so that I was, um, you know, I was kind of caught in an interesting place where they're like, we know what you're about and it's not this. And I'm like, no, really? You know? Um, and so, so, um, that kind of led me, you know, um, to, to really think a lot about this, but you know, that at that point in time, I couldn't find anybody else who was at all like tracking the same ideas or anything like that. Um, who was, you know, in, in the religious or spiritual or Christian world. Um, and everybody I knew who was in this kind of little subculture was very, very anti-religious, you know, and anti, uh, any kind of non- like materialist kind of way of understanding life or anything like that. Um, so that was, that was probably the, the, the real kind of turning point. Um, and, uh, so, 
you know, I went and did a whole bunch of other stuff for a lot of years um, <laughs> because I was like, well, nobody, nobody wants to hear from the the Christian kid in this. Um, and then, and so wait, wait, so how yeah. old were you when you first did? When so, you first was like, light bulb, yeah, this is the thing. But now I got to go do this other stuff. Like yeah. that was you were twenty something, maybe uh, probably or, seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So maybe, maybe even 16, 16 or 17, I like started bumping into this kind of like online community of a lot of people that later I saw, um, in, you know, pop up in, in the news in some positive, some negative ways. I saw like a, a CIA scandal unfold. I was like, I think I know where that came from. Um, (laughs) like you know, so there was there was some of that going on where like over the years I'm like I'm like tracking some of these people that I interacted with and um but yeah, so I was yeah, I was about 17 and um yeah, yeah. Wow. That is that's pretty amazing. So, okay, you've you've been doing this work. How long have you been kind of in podcasts, mm-hmm. website now you've got conferences mm-hmm. officially now. Like how long has this? Yeah. Um, so I put out a call for interest in 2013, um, mm-hmm. started formally organizing in 2014, and we kind of went public with it in 2015. Okay. So uh, so just a few years now, yeah. right? Um, and uh, we've been, yeah, we've been gearing up, but... Um, yeah, and, and like you said, you know, trying to, you know, roll out these different kind of aspects of ways to address this and bring people together to talk about these things uh, and all this. Um, you know, what what happened is, you know, in, like I said, I went and did a whole bunch of other things. And then in 2012, um, I was kind of crashing out of one career, uh, one phase of my life. And I was like, okay, what am I going to, you know, what do I want to do next? Um, what do I care about? You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so my brother and I decided to jaunt off on a 40-day trip around the world. Um, and, and when you say around the world, <laughs> like <laughs> how around did you go? We went to like 14 different countries. Um, and, uh, and and how long? What's the time? 40 that? days. 40 days, 14 different countries. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, the the guy and the what's the the story around the world in 80 days. So, we did it in 40 and um <laughs> and and we like we did this on such a shoestring budget. Like we did not pay like so there's there's a ticket you could buy which was like, okay, hit hit all these countries, um take as long as you want to do it. Right. And, and we met other people on our trip who were doing this in like a year, you know, something like this. We didn't have a year because we didn't have that much money in the bank and we didn't buy the ticket. We figured out a way to get it through like a clever uh credit card sky miles sort of thing. And, um, and so it cost us like, we had like $2,000 to, <laughs> to spend. And so we were just like couch surfing our way around the world. Wow. And so we were sleeping on the beds and floors of people. We had no idea who they were. Right. And we were staying in hostels and places that the locals were like, do not go there. You yeah. know, except they spoke it in their local language, which yeah. we didn't understand. And you were like, I think you're saying danger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, um, and you get in there and you're like, oh, I, yeah, I get it. Um, you start heading down enough dark alleyways, you start feeling that, uh, but you know, we ended up 
yeah, just staying with random people. We didn't know what we were getting into. And we found ourselves accidentally, because we didn't know what was going on in the world, we found ourselves in Tahrir Square uh, during, like, right after the revolution, where they, like, <laughs> you know, there's there's all this upheaval going on. And uh, so we just, we literally walk into Tahrir Square, Cairo, Egypt, um, on accident. We get off at the wrong bus stop or whatever. And, um, uh and actually, it was a, a like a train stop, and we messed up going in there because we uh, did not realize that the cars were segregated men and women, oh. and so we ended up in the women's car. <laughs> oh no! Oh, so no. Um, yeah. So so anyway, we jump off like in the wrong place. We walk into Tahrir Square, and we're like, we're two white American guys yeah. who are like really, really standing out. Yeah, and um. I'm like, I, I don't know if it's safe for us to be here, partially because we just got hassled by the, the people who were like kind of guarding the edge. And we had been like, you know, try run into enough people that by this point in the trip that, you know, try to pickpocket you and do all this stuff that we were just like, you know, just like pushing past people. Oh yeah. You're, you're bold at this yeah. point. Yeah. And we don't realize that this is like a security barrier that we're <laughs> pushing through. And, um, fortunately they were like, oh, these guys don't know what's going on. And so we, you know, like they didn't do anything to us. And so we got in there and it's crazy. And there's, you know, there's thousands of people and, and there's like effigies hanging from things and it's chaotic and, and insane. And I don't feel, you know, I don't know if we're all allowed here. I don't know if we're safe to be here. You know, people are like, you know, seeing us and being like, Americans, Americans, you're, you're like, like, no, <laughs> yeah, don't point yeah, us let's out. Hide. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, um, but we accidentally end up there uh, during the, the announcement of the, the votes from the first election that they ever had, the yeah. first democratic election. Big deal. Yeah. Slightly. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're like, you know, we're asking everybody like, what's going on here? Right. Like, um, what is your feeling about this? What is your feeling about the options? You know, and a lot of people are like, I don't like either of these options. One guy's like, you know, in bed with the old regime. One guy's like, you know, from this uh, new thing we don't want either. Um, mm -hmm. But, but so we were there when they announced the results. And what I saw was this, you know, thousands of people who had been just kind of, making noise and, and chaos and all this kind of stuff that, uh, around the clock, uh, they went silent yeah. and there was like radios just kind of playing the results, wow. you know, like, and it went on for an hour, just a pure like silence. And I couldn't understand it, but I knew, you know, they were reading off numbers and things like this. And then there came a moment when they announced the results and all of a sudden this like whole crowd of people went from dead silence to just incredible like uproar pouring wow. out of emotion they were literally throwing each other in the air falling on the ground crying like jumping and dancing and leaping you know people all around me just like i've never seen so much emotion pour out you yeah. know and um and you know, I realized like this is the moment they transitioned from never having had a democratic election, having a say, yeah. never having a say yeah. to 
Now they have it. They've experienced this. Like you were in a, you were a part of a historical moment, which is, and purely by accident. By accident. (laughs) And and what happened was I looked around at, at that time and I was like, I don't see any camera crews. Yeah. Like, I don't see any traditional news. Now, maybe they're up in the t- the buildings or whatever, but they're not down here. Mm-mm. And what I do see is that all these people have flip phones, and they're capturing their experience of this moment Wow! as it's happening. Wow. And I realized, like, we're getting to see history like we've never seen it before. Yeah. Right? We've always seen history from the point of view of, like, the the kind of reporters, the generals, the kings, the, you know, the politicians. That's right. And now we have the ability to see history from the point of view of the people who are experiencing it and living it out. Dang. And I left, uh, that, um, that place and flew back to America and I was like, that's it. I got to do something about this. Wow. That's pretty amazing. purely on accident like it was (laughs) so crazy that we ended up there like we're so ignorant about what's going going on so so here's an aside question that i just thought about in your interviewing kind of your you know investigative journalism interviewing (laughs) of the crowd Mm -hmm. and this has been something that i've talked about with some friends before and it's and it's dealing with kind of like Politics in general. This is a, a a big general politic kind of question. And because someone who has been in many cultures at this point, you've been in many countries at this point now, is I'm all I'm curious if in the history of humanity and and in and, and in a sense of like in, in any opportunity that the people have had the chance to vote on this person or this person. Mm -hmm. It's rare, at least in my knowledge, that the collective body of people on average, like the the average thing that is said, I'll put it that way, is I don't really care for either one of these people, Mm. but I guess I'm choosing Mm -hmm. the worst of the two evils. I don't think... I'm interested if, and maybe you know or have heard of this, where it it's rare that I've heard that someone said, yep, it's this this person. Like, we all agree is this person, and we kind of all agree, like, 90% of us agree is this person. Right. And, like, there's only a small collection of us that like this random person. Right. It always feels like, well, I'm just choosing between... Mm-hmm. these two evils mm-hmm. like does that make like are, are mm-hmm. we are we just is that just a part of who we are like we're always going to no matter what the election is and who is up for election that we're going to end up saying well i'm just choosing right and the better of two evils yeah. evils yeah and you know that's it's been a, a remarkable thing over the years where i'm like why do we always have to choose evil like why is that like why, yeah. why isn't there a different option on the table? Right. And I and I think that's what the people that I talked to were feeling during this is they were like, we need a third option here, but nobody's giving us a third option. And um 
And so the best we can do, and I think this was what a lot of people felt, was the best we can do is choose something that's not the thing that we had before, you know? Right. And um, and hopefully that turns out some way. And, you know, it that is really messy, and it turned out really messy. Yes, it did. Um, and... But I think I think there's probably a reason for for this, which is, um, you know, if we're if we're going to the the way that we typically organize ourselves as as people is we we you know just try to kind of group together in the largest coalitions we can we can make so that we can you know get something through. Right, so that we right. can make something happen. That's intrinsically going to mean that we're just joining up with people who are really not on the same page with us. Right, <laughs> right. We're just all agreed on like some small like thing that maybe kind of is a little bit better than the other guys, but you know, m- maybe it's not. And so it that leaves that always brings us to this kind of point where it's like, well. Yeah, we got this coalition of like some good stuff and and like a bunch of bad stuff, and but we think it's better than the other guys' coalition of of some good stuff and a bunch of bad stuff. Um, wow. And I I wish there's a way that we could you know all agree like hey you know like there there's a whole bunch of things that we all agree on here. We just really disagree about the order that we place them in. Yes, you know that's the key. But yeah. we can't somehow. We can't get there. <laughs> right, and I don't, I don't we understand. and we can't like we we use the fact that I place like you know problem A above problem B, and you place problem B above problem A, and pretty soon we're in a situation where I'm like, well, problem B, like that's not even a real problem, and you're saying the same thing, even though actually we both agree on these problems, we just have slightly prioritized them differently. Exactly, mm-hmm. that's the key. Mm-hmm. We figured it out. That's good. <laughs> Solve the world right here. Oh. Okay, cool. Uh, so now I want to know is, so you've been in this Christian, you know, uh, transhumanist work mm-hmm. for a few years now. What's been maybe the most surprising thing mm-hmm. from the work? Whether it's, I'm surprised that I'm, I'm hearing this comment about the work or mm-hmm. I'm, in a good or bad way. Mm-hmm. And and I guess we'll start there. Like, what's been the most surprising thing mm. that's kind of come out of the work you've been doing? Mm. And whether it's the conversations you've had in podcasts or the conference that you've hosted it, that you've hosted or been on other podcasts or other conversations and panels, like, what's been the most, like, surprisingly good and, and or bad thing about mm. the work? Yeah, uh, you know, I think I think it comes down to um, so many people are like, oh yeah, well that's, that's what I've been thinking all along. You know, like now you're saying what I'm, I'm thinking, you know? Right. And, um, you know, we got that with the conference, like a bunch of people and people I've known for years, but who've never said anything like remotely connected to this stuff. We're like, finally, you know, a group of people who's talking about stuff that I care about and I'm interested in, you know? Right. And what's, um, what makes it, really kind of deeply ironic is that um everybody's like well why uh, why are there other people who are like opposed to us having this conversation or opposed to talking about these things or opposed to like some of these pursuits or whatever and um the answer is 
like the answer is is always the opposite of what they think M- meaning like people are, are always coming to me and saying um you know i love what you're doing but you're like maybe a little like i don't know why you think that it's important to address this thing right um because that's not an issue for me you oh. know like i've uh, of course we're all together on th- this particular issue you know, why are you talking so much about it? I'm like, well, you're the only person who has agreed on that particular issue and everybody else has really struggled with it and, and vice versa. Right. And so what everybody thinks the problem is coming into this conversation between, um, you know, people on the cutting edges of science and technology and people in religion and spirituality, everybody thinks that the problem is something different. Yeah. And they're like, why are other people having a problem with this? But nobody's actually figuring out like all the different problems that are coming in um, to the question. Wow. Huh. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah. That's very surprising. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a, it's a weird, like I, you know, I tell people we're, we're creating awkward conversations. Like these are just conversations that people are not having typically. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so when we do like what we find in that is so different than what uh, most people are expecting Mm. now. So, and because of this work and it, and maybe it's, I mean, in some ways it is connected to this work. It has led you to be in spaces with people who have different faiths or Mm -hmm. non faith Mm -hmm. or, you know, some people who say that they're atheists or Mm -hmm. agnostic or in, in in every major religion, you've probably been in a room with mm-hmm. that particular religion, mm-hmm. and, or someone who is a who says, "Yes, I am X." Right. Mm-hmm. So, as someone who I would say, you know, who comes out of the Christian tradition, yeah, um, you've now bared witness to and have set with people of other major mm-hmm. religions. And even things that are outside of that. Yeah. You, I guess the two questions are, I assume we haven't directly talked about this, that you're still choosing Mm -hmm. the Christian tradition as your main kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But how, like, what have you learned? Yeah. And yeah, well, you start there. What have you learned from that? And, uh, yeah, I just leave it with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think the thing for me is um, the agreements are not where people expect and the disagreements are not where people expect. So what's a, what's an example of that? Well, so I, I would say that when a lot, a lot of times when Buddhists and Christians start to talk, um, what, what a lot of Christians expect the disagreement about is like, well, I, I worship Jesus and you worship Buddha or, right. you know, something like something this, like yeah. that. Yeah. And, um, and so we've got to like, you know, we've got to deal with that disagreement right up front. But if you, if that's where you stop in it, um, you won't understand, um, the deeper lay levels or in layers of, of similarity. And then you won't understand the deeper levels of difference. And so, um, one, one example of what happens if you kind of recognize like, okay, there's a lot of things that, um, 
that were said by the Buddha and Buddhists that sound a lot of like a lot of things that come out of the Christian scriptures as well. Yeah. And then you get below that and then you say, okay, what kind of core disagreement could we take out? And um, what you find is this really interesting idea about suffering. And so Buddha has an idea about suffering and uh, Buddhism, I think, says this more clearly than anything else that I've ever encountered. It says that um, life is suffering and suffering comes from desire because you're attached to what you want. Mm. This causes you suffering. And it's absolutely true, right? Yeah. There, there is no, like, that is the truest statement I've ever heard from any yeah. kind of religious uh, or philosophical position ever. And, but what I think is interesting is that the, what Buddhism does with that, and, and I think what Christianity does with that, and Christianity doesn't maybe say that explicitly, but I think Christianity knows it. And um, what they do with that is different. Yeah. Um, and it's different in a really interesting way where, where B- Buddhists may say something like, because life is suffering, suffering comes from desire, and we wish to rid the world of suffering, that what we're going to do is work on decreasing our desires. Mm. And I think what you get in Christianity is, um, is an attitude of, let's just suffer anyway. <laughs> like, like <laughs> let's, um, let's desire everything we can. Right. And that's going to be suffering, but maybe it's worth it, you know? Mm. And you can't, you can't criticize those two choices. Those are two absolutely uh, valid choices if this is the way reality is, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, a, it's an interesting difference, and it's an interesting difference that you only get to once you actually dig into what are these things saying that's very similar and what are these things saying that um, maybe ends up being a little bit different? Wow. Dang. Okay. <laughs> that was great. So, okay. So, I was curious, is the work you've been doing, Christian transhumanists, and we talked about this a little bit before, but what has what has been the true impact that it's had on your life? Mm. Like, obviously since 17, you've Mm -hmm. been changing, evolving, moving forward, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. But now that you've been in this thing for a few years, you've really kind of gone way into the deep end. How, how has it affected good or bad? Your, your personal life, your, faith your mm-hmm. relationships like mm-hmm. i mean does is everyone in your family like hooray yeah. we're all for <laughs> yeah christian transhumanist <laughs> conversations at thanksgiving dinner right. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yes one of one of my friends is always saying uh saying to my wife she, she's like you know what how do you deal with him just talking about this all the time? And she's like, well, he doesn't actually talk about it all the time. It just, you know, right. just, just, um, but that certainly is kind of the, uh, 
you know, kind of the, 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 I mean, this is like what I'm passionate about. So I am talking about this like, um, uh, kind of all the time, but, um, so yeah, you know, I think most of my, my family and, and friends, um, uh, end up being pretty supportive of this. Um, now mostly everybody's like, I don't quite get it. Right. Like, I, I don't quite understand. Right. But I'm supportive of like the going into this. Right. And um, yeah, a lot of a lot of my friends um, and and family um, were able to just kind of like, uh, you know, throw in some some effort and help us put some some events together and things like that. And, you know, um, so that's been that's been great. So that's one part of it. Um you know the the broader aspect of it um you know the the most detrimental thing i think for me is actually having to try to learn how to organize things you know because i'm this guy who grew up going all over the place right, right? and right. then i grew you know then i went out and was an adult that just kind of you know went <laughs> like all over the place and you know lived in chaos and all this kind of stuff and now i'm i'm having to try to learn how to you know put things together um manage um manage you know a lot of stuff that's just really not very natural to me and deal with a lot of people with a lot of very different concerns, Yeah, you know, and try to, um, help them out without, um, kind of betraying my, myself or where I'm coming from. And that's, that's really difficult. It's, it's constantly, um, constantly something I'm like thinking about working through. Um, but in terms of my faith and, and so forth, it's actually, you know, made so like so much stronger. And, um, I would say I'm like, my faith is in such a stronger place than it was, um, before this happened in part through, um, through people I've met and just been positively impacted by, and in part through, um, when you dig into some of these deep conversations like AI and, um, genetic engineering and and robotics and like you know space travel and all this kind of stuff. The more you dig into it, the more you realize that everybody who's into this is kind of he- plunging headfirst into uh, the unknown. Yeah, like we don't know what's what's coming. We don't know, you know, like and the fact like now with technology accelerating like faster than it ever has. We know even less about the future than we ever have, right? Like your grandparents or, you know, like most people's parents, grandparents, great grandparents knew what they were going to do their entire lives, you know? Yeah. Like they were born, you know, and, and I think in my grandparents' time, you could literally get a job with one company, work for the, you know, just expect I'm going to retire from this company. 50 years yeah. in this company. Yeah. And yeah. then it's going to, and so like we, we don't have that, no. you know? Like most people I know are working jobs that didn't exist, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, right? Like, well, and, it's and, just, yeah. And also, not only that, but then they're also working more. Mm-hmm. Job. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, I've got this side gig, I got this side gig, mm-hmm. part of the main gig. So mm-hmm. our parents, grandparents, like, that, yeah. they don't really have a con. Yeah. Maybe there was like one person that did. A couple gets, but that right. person was like, yeah, weird in the <laughs> yeah, community. That's right. that's right. Yeah, that was the that was the you know kind of wacky guy you know who didn't fit in, right? Right. Like, and now, like, so we're all living in this world where 
like we don't really like we're having to adapt in a way that nobody's ever you know in in our the last few generations had to do we don't know what's coming we we can like when we actually talk about well what do we expect to be true in 2030 um that's only like basically 10 years away and it's like a, we have no clue you know yeah. like and all the things that that people have you know kind of suggested about it simply suggest to us we have no clue like it's going to be way weirder than it is now and um and when you realize that you start to say okay well how do we navigate living in a world with this much uncertainty right and this much just pure unknown and as soon as you do that you find yourself um engaging in uh religious ways of thinking right right and right. people don't realize this a lot of times but this is what we do when we go into the unknown we say okay what's good how do i hold on to the good um in spite of the fact that i'm going into the darkness you know yeah like and and all of those religious categories and religious language and religious uh imagery and all that kind of stuff takes on this profoundly um strong meaning right um and and that's not what people expect going into this stuff Mm. um but it's there yeah that's good that's good um okay one more thing that i just thought about and this is i just want to ask this um support Mm -hmm. or understanding Mm. which is more valuable to you hmm for someone who does the work that they do and who's done other works, is someone being supportive of what you do or someone understanding what mm. you're doing and why you're doing more valuable to you? Mm. I, you know, I think just my personality is that I always want understanding. You know, I, I always want to be understood. Um, and I'm, and it's the thing that I always struggle, you know, to, to, um, put whatever that is or whatever that drive is or whatever that impulse is or feeling is into words and into forms that other people can connect with. And, you know, it's just like with the, the Buddhism and and Christianity thing, it's not necessarily important that we all kind of agree with each other, but to understand, right. Like at a, in a deep way, what we're all about I think that's the thing that for me has always been at the core of it. That was great. Um, let's see. Let's do a speed round. Okay. All right. So speed round. Here we go. Favorite Nashville restaurant right now. <laughs> Something like. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm not good at this. I am so like out of touch with what's actually cool in Nashville. Um <laughs> Well, then so when, it's like where probably, do y'all like to go? Yeah, where do you, where do you like to go? If I just have a choice, I go to Barbecue. Like, <laughs> and uh, um, so if you had to leave Nashville forever, <laughs> the the last stop is Barbecue. Yeah, and okay. and I would uh, and I actually go in there. I love their uh, their <laughs> breakfast, which nobody goes to Barbecue for breakfast, but I do, and I love it. And uh, you know, okay, so, yeah. oh, that was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, best podcasts or or some of the top podcasts you've been listening to right mm. now yeah that's um 
So one podcast I listen to all the time is um, Roderick on the Line. It's uh, with John Roderick, who is of the Long Winters. Uh, he's a Seattle musician and um, a wannabe politician that didn't work out. <laughs> and uh, and so he just basically tells like of all these kinds of mostly failure stories and uh, in his own life and. Um, I really identify with that. <laughs> like, and, um, and so that's, that's one that I listen to all, all the time just to kind of get, uh, in touch with like a different kind of emotional space. Um, more like topical stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I always love, you know, podcasts like, um, uh, the, the Rob cast and, uh, from Rob Bell and so, so forth. Um, because he explores kind of, uh, you know, Bible stories in a, in a different way than, right. than most people have heard. Um, and then, you know, Joe Rogan is, uh, you know, always has some interesting guests and then gets, uh, spends like way too long talking. <laughs> Three hours, my guy. Yikes. Uh, so I take that like, you know, with, um, you know, I take it sporadically, you know, but, uh, but, um, so yeah, that's, that's good. Also like hardcore history is great. Um, and if you want to spend, you know, three hours delving into an obscure, uh, moment in history, that's the way to do it. Wow. Okay. Uh, top, what's one of your favorite places you've ever visited? Yeah, um, because how many countries are you at right now? How many countries have you been to? You... Uh, it's over twenty-five, not yet thirty. I think. Okay. Um, I think I when I've counted, I, I think that's where I'm at. Um, yeah. So, and I, I, I don't know what those are offhand, but <laughs> I have to periodically like add up and like be like, wait a second, where did I go to there? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, favorite place? I probably Iceland. Um, and when I've gone to, if you go to Iceland, um, a couple of things, uh, one is that every screensaver you see from, from now to eternity, you will recognize wh <laughs> where it is, right? Like, like, oh, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> like every picture you see on a screensaver is probably from Iceland. Like, unless it's like a desert or something like this, yes. you know, like, and uh, I never amazing. realized that before. The other thing is that they have terrible food because <laughs> they are an island, uh, you know, nation or right, whatever, right. and they can't import anything apparently. And so their best food is like um, uh, uh, a kind of hot dog or sausage thing <laughs> that they that adds that and like Swedish fish. Uh, and that's, that's it. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so don't go there for food, but like scenery and like beautiful places to drive through. That's the place you want to go. So, so there's no in and out or McDonald's. No, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> and, um, actually literally we went, we were staying in Reykjavik and we were looking around for some kind of a restaurant, some kind of a nice place. And we found the nicest place we could. And I, I forget what it was called, but we went in there and th this was the restaurant concept. Um, we have two pots of soup. <laughs> one of which is uh, has no meat in it, and one of which has meat in it. It's it's called meat soup and not meat soup. And you get to choose, and you get to eat it there at your. <laughs> and I was like, well, what kind of meat's in this? And apparently, it's some mixture. There's it tasted like pepperoni, so I don't I don't know, and. 
it, it was amazing. It was a great restaurant, but that was that was it. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, top top bands. Like, what are some mm. of the music? What's music? Yeah, I'm like so stuck in like the the past right now musically. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really um, uh, like cheesy pop bands, and especially like from the '90s or early 2000s, like. Uh, <laughs> Like Weezer. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> they're not cheesy. I know. <laughs> Come on. Uh, oh. No, I like. I was listening to. Uh, oh, what is it? Um, LFO is that? One? <laughs> 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 um, uh, <laughs> the whole album or just the 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 um, Summer Girl song? Yeah. The, no, they have. That was only only one of their hits. Uh, I, it, but I can't remember the other <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Um yeah, uh Semisonic uh is is a band I love. If if uh so you know you, you know Closing Time. Yeah, closing time, but <laughs> but but you gotta actually listen to the album. If you listen to the album, that is the best album that I think has ever been constructed. Okay. But nobody like nobody no, no knows. one knows it, yeah. Yeah, nobody knows anything else but that. But um yeah, I love that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. We'll see you. Peace.